0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, with the biggest instant reaction episode in the history of your favorite professional wrestling podcast, so big, in fact, that the Silver King ended his vacation early to wrangle vintage Chris and cover the retirement of none other. Than WWE Chairman and CEO Vincent Kennedy McMahon. There is so much to unpack, and we are knocking this instant reaction podcast out before SmackDown even begins Friday night. We are going to cover as much as we possibly can while leaving a little bit of meat on the bone for our next WWE episode this coming Tuesday, which will also be our WWE SummerSlam Ultimate preview. You know what we have to do briefly before we get into it? I need to remind you that the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is all about the So please head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings on Apple. Also read a five-star review. We will read it live on the show. The ratings, the reviews, super important. Please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast and interact with us there as well. If you have questions, comments, thoughts, about Vince McMahon's retirement, the other topics we are going to discuss on today's show. We will read those on Tuesday's WWE show. So do not be bashful. Hit our DMs, fill up our replies, hit us up, and we will interact with you about Vince McMahon and everything else that's going on in the world of WWE. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining. I'm not going to allow you to do an introduction. I want to get right into the meat of this news, and we will get you on as soon as possible. Okay. All right. Vincent Kennedy McMahon retires from WWE at age 76, about one month shy of his 77th birthday. He stepped down as chairman and CEO. He is also out as head of creative. He will no longer have any day-to-day role with WWE. Two sources confirmed that to the Getting Over Wrestling podcast that you are listening to right now. That said, Vince will remain the majority shareholder for WWE, and in the official press release for his retirement, it says he will support WWE in any way I can, quote unquote. By the way, he has about 40% of WWE stock, but 80% of the voting power due to the classification of his stock. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. In that official statement, Vince attributed the retirement to his age. As I said, he'll be 77 on August 24th. But obviously, the real reason is the expanding investigation into numerous allegations of sexual misconduct and the cover-ups of that alleged misconduct. PW Insider reports that this was decided seven to 10 days ago, which is right around the time of that second Wall Street Journal report. And there was also a letter sent to Talent in which Vince appeared kind of flippant about the entire thing, which is normally how he acts and talks to the superstars. So that was not overly surprising. Now, Chris, there is a lot to unpack here and plenty of details we have not even discussed yet, but we do need to first address the news at face value. And and here is my take on that. This is one of the most notable days in the history of professional wrestling. We may look back on it one day and say it was the most notable, aside from maybe WrestleMania 1 or something like that. But Vince ran WWE as the chief executive of the company for the better part of 40 years, 1982 to 2022. There has never been a singular person more domineering in the history of the industry and maybe few others who match Vince in that category in the entire landscape of sports and entertainment. The success attributed to Vince goes far beyond the mainstream popularity of wrestling, the Attitude Era, WWE becoming this global brand you know, in the 2000s, in the, in the later years up to now. WWE has also forever been innovative, whether it be the advent of pay-per-view, the WWE Network selling the rights to WWE's content like they just did to Peacock, even the XFL, which was Vince's baby, introduced like game-changing technology. We've discussed it on the podcast before that is still used today in football and professional sports. And let's not forget, there's other like addendums to this. The biggest movie star in the world right now is largely a Vince McMahon creation. And while that may be giving him a little bit too much credit, it's just an example of the popular culture impact that WWE has had. And then you get to the in-ring and Inside the squared circle on television, the character Mr. McMahon is arguably the greatest wrestling villain heel, or at least the greatest antagonist of all time in professional wrestling. Yet, all of that has to be compartmentalized, given the allegations he's facing that we've already covered in two full podcasts. And folks, please check the recent archives, listen to those, we go over the details of those two reports. The basic one-liner is Vince has allegedly paid more than $12 million to four women over the course of 16 years to cover alleged sexual misconduct, and including, included among those women were WWE employees and talent. And given he has been running the company for 40 years, you know, it's probably just the tip of the iceberg. But when you do go back and listen to those episodes I just mentioned, you will hear me state unequivocally on the last one that Vince remaining in charge of WWE creative was untenable given the latest allegations. After the first report, there was perhaps a window where he could depart as chairman and CEO, but remain head of creative and still be involved in the day-to-day. That became an impossibility with the information contained in the second report. Now, I cannot say, Chris, that I expected this to happen before SummerSlam, and the timing of this has already made a significant impact That may well be felt on that show. That's something we'll get to in a little bit. But my reaction to the timing of this entire thing is a third story absolutely has to be coming next week. I'm sure the Wall Street Journal or whatever organization, their editors are planning it next week ahead of SummerSlam for maximum coverage to make an impact. That's what you do. And I would not be surprised if there's some bombshell that comes out next week. So as I said, There's a lot more still to discuss, Chris. I want to get you in here for your initial reaction to the news itself, because as I said, it is truly one of the most notable days in the history of professional wrestling. And it's one that I, like so many of you, truly thought would never come unless, you know, Vince met his ultimate demise. And even that didn't seem like an inevitability, given his stamina, his family history and all that type of stuff. So, Chris. I just gave you my instant reaction. What is your instant reaction to Vincent Kennedy McMahon retiring from WWE?
1: Yeah, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I mean, with all that you talk about all the success he had elevating WWE, elevating professional wrestling to a point where he had accumulated so much power and clearly was a guy who wielded that power in different ways. And in, in many problematic ways. And, and ultimately, I think that's why we were so surprised by this that throughout all of it we thought Vince McMahon would stick around. I mean he's still the majority shareholder. They control the company. Uh they can't technically force him out, it doesn't seem but yeah this makes you think that something bigger is coming. The Wall Street Journal reporters had said that they were continuing to work on different things. I don't know if it's them, I don't know if it's somebody else, but doing this right before SummerSlam uh, and not waiting until after, not doing your big show, not doing something that could upset certain talent before the big show uh, makes you think that something is probably going to be dropping at some point.
0: You have to believe that. And I just keep going back to the thought of how big of a deal this is, that it's so difficult to wrap your head around. Like you're, you're literally speaking about or we are literally speaking about, the single person who has run the industry of professional wrestling for 40 years. And I'm not discounting all the other people who have come along and made significant impacts, the people that preceded Vince McMahon, without whom wrestling may never have existed in the first place. Um, certainly, the Ted Turners and Eric Bischoff's and Paul Heyman's, you know, that you know created a level of competition that forced WWE to become what it ultimately became and gave it a platform to then be a multi-billion dollar business with global licensing and all the things that are happening. You know, Vince didn't necessarily do all of this by himself. But, you know, when you consider, Chris, that this podcast started with a global pandemic forcing crowds away from professional wrestling, and we thought, well, that, that's going to be the most important thing we probably ever cover on this show. And it was the fir- very first thing we did. Here we sit, you know, nearly three years later. And it's Vince McMahon gone from his post abruptly, not a situation where he was sick or where a plan was put in place for a succession like, you know, turnover. And when I say that, I don't mean the TV show. I'm, I'm saying literal succession, like a plan of succession. This Stephanie McMahon is gonna be this and this person is gonna be this. And it all unfolds over a period of six or 12 months where you have the opportunity to debate and discuss the inevitability of change and really what's going to happen with WWE. This all hit us like a brick a couple hours before SmackDown, eight days out from SummerSlam, the second biggest show of the entire year. By the way, also the kickstart of a three stadium summer where we're going to have uh, the first major show in the United Kingdom in decades and another crown jewel, which of course we don't like the fact that WWE works in Saudi Arabia, but it's nevertheless a massive money event for the company that Vince McMahon was one of the primary folks who negotiated it initially and made it happen. So this, is, this news is coming, not just in general, it's not just something that developed and happened and we've had time to digest it. It is literally just happening right now in the wake of these allegations. So I think that, Chris, is one of the reasons why this feels so momentous. It's not just that it happened, it's the way it happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we had talked, you know, there'd been Nick Khan had made comments in recent years. Are they going to sell the company? Would Vince get out? And, and he would say, you know, you know, we get calls, but Vince is still running everything. It's his call. Other people would say Vince is going to run this company until he's gone. And yeah, for this, for, for it to, for it to happen via tweet, a pretty remarkable considering, you know, the whole history of the company and everything like that. It just comes out in an announcement tweet followed by a, a press release. Um, certainly a, a most unceremonious end to one of the biggest names. Exactly. That's in pro wrestling. And, and, yes. and, you know, that makes me think, like, by all accounts, he's not at SmackDown. No, he's and, not.
0: He's not there. Yeah, not
1: there. And, and it doesn't. So does Vince get some big goodbye? Does he? Is he going to do a video package? Is he going to speak to the crowd ever again? We don't know. And they may not be doing that. Because of what may be coming potentially, you know, obviously completely different situations, but they did the Chris Benoit tribute and that turned out to really, really, really bad thing. They, they didn't want to do that until everything was out. So I don't know what, do we see Vince McMahon ever on WWE television again? I'm at this point, I'm leaning no based on how it ended.
0: It's a fantastic question. Uh, You know, what happens 10 years from now, if he's still around and he's 87 and this is kind of not, I don't want to use the term brushed under the rug. I don't mean that but it's the outrage maybe or has dissipated or it being in the news cycle has dissipated. Um, you know, I don't really know, but do they induct him into the WWE Hall of Fame? He has said over my dead body. He doesn't want to be honored that way. Um, he refuses to accept praise publicly. So yet yeah, those are all questions. Is it, a, is it a posthumous induction perhaps that they wait until that period of time to honor this guy who did have a number of notable impacts in his 40 year career leading this company. And that's, by the way, not even mentioning like all the other things he's done from a creative standpoint, broadcasting that we didn't really discuss here, because, again, this is an instant reaction and we're not doing an entire career retrospective on Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But the point is, there is so much left on the bone with this that it's kind of impossible to know what happens next with Vince and WWE. You know, is it a complete, true, total separation for eternity? Or is this something that we look back on and after a period of time, he shows back up? Not necessarily on TV, but within the history of WWE and the way they speak about it on documentaries or honoring superstars who retire. If, like, for example, John Cena retires. Do we see Vince McMahon then? These are all questions that certainly are hanging out there, but we do have answers to other questions that we should discuss on this podcast. The first of which is, well, what the hell is happening with the executive structure in the world of WWE? I have those answers. Uh, A lot of personnel changes went down on this Friday in which the Silver King was supposed to still be on vacation. Let's start with the most prominent. Stephanie McMahon is now the chairwoman and co-CEO of WWE. That was the capacity she had on an interim basis. It is now permanent and official. Nick Khan is the other co-CEO alongside Stephanie. And the truth, Chris, is there's really not that much to unpack about this. Stephanie already held those titles in the interim capacity, as I mentioned. And a McMahon being a top WWE was kind of a foregone conclusion, given Shane's status over the last decade plus, and given Declan is however old he is and Stephanie's kids are however old they are. It was her or nobody at this point, unless it was going to be Paul Levesque, which you know certainly wasn't going to happen. And the same goes for Khan. He was already the president and the chief revenue officer of WWE. So he's likely going to be retaining those same responsibilities while Stephanie oversees the facets that she's more comfortable with. Marketing, talent, creative, all that type of stuff. But the first major sign of how this move is going to play out is going to be what happens to the WWE stock. WWE did pull a Baylor football. It announced this at the end of the day on Friday, which staves off any like immediate selling Or transactions when it comes to the stock, lets everyone calm down for 48, 60 hours, something like that until trading reopens on Monday. And even with the news that had come out previously about Vince McMahon, the allegations from the Wall Street Journal reports, the stock didn't move. It did dip Mm -hmm. slightly and it just completely rebounded and was back where it was previously. So given they have three major stadium shows coming up, they're still in the middle of all their big time rights deals. There's no expectation that they wouldn't be a player for major media rights when those deals do come up. There's going to be a huge rating for SmackDown tonight. There's most likely going to be a massive rating for Madison Square Garden this Monday. That would probably excite investors. So again, these aren't really surprising moves. They were rather predictable. And I'm not sure that we're going to see anything major coming out of the changes to the chair and the co-CEOs at this juncture. Let's
1: remember that like, Two months ago or something, Stephanie McMahon, Stephanie McMahon took a leave from the company. Like, she was getting out in some forms. Yeah, leave of absence, focused on her family, talking about all that kind of stuff. Now she's co-in-charge of the company on a permanent basis. So, that's been a whirlwind. I mean, like you said, there was really nobody else it could be. Um, I just, it, It's been a very strange sequence of events for her. And... Yeah, there, there's not much more other than that in terms of the, the higher up structure. Um, we'll get into creative in, in a minute. Um, but all of that is surprising. We'll find out Monday, probably, or whatever the futures say on, on what the stock could or could not do. Because remember, WB's filings with the SEC said Vince McMahon is integral to the company. If he was not there, it would harm the company, essentially. Yeah. Um, and, and there's been no such amendment to that yet. Um, at least from what I've seen. so and, I, and don't
0: forget, I ranted when I heard that. When I saw yes. that was included there and we had that conversation on a prior episode, I could not believe that towards investors, WWE would say a 76-year-old man is integral to the success of the company. I'm not saying Vince wasn't important. Obviously, he's the most important piece of WWE and had been for a long period of time. But to tell your investors that about someone his age, that's just not smart. It's a... Massive unforced error that Nikon made, or whoever created those documents and approved those documents made, as there have been others recently. I'm sorry to interrupt you.
1: Yeah, and, and and this is why because now he's not there. And this is why. And this So you just told everybody that you had to do this, and now he's gone. And so what what does that mean? Uh, we we will see. But 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 at, at the top of the level of the, of the company, it, it it makes sense. Don't want to hear nothing about your Nikon conspiracy theories. The jokes are funny, sure, but but like in general, and I know we're kind of going through these things and, and brushing over, we went really long a week or so ago on the specific allegations in the Wall Street Journal story, especially the one with a former FEMA wrestler that he allegedly coerced into a sexual relationship and then punished her when she got out of that relationship. This is very, very serious stuff, and we don't mean to 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 no pass that. Yes. We just talked about it in depth a, a week or so ago. We're not going to forget that either.
0: And by the way, when Chris said he didn't want to hear your Nick Khan, you know, conspiracy theories. He's referring to you all, not me, because I am the one who's also shut those down alongside Chris. He is not Littlefinger. Uh, he is not. Um, I don't know what the Succession equivalent. Oh, oh. Um, uh, what was that? were the, Stewie? the company?
1: Stewie. Stewie.
0: Yeah, he's not yeah. Stewie. He's not a Littlefinger. You know, he, he's someone who was hired and has kind of walked ass backwards into an even more increased role than maybe he initially expected. Now, the chairman and CEO position, that's one thing. But what we already mentioned earlier in the show is that Vince McMahon has also stepped down from all of his day-to-day responsibilities, which includes head of creative and kind of the de facto person who oversees talent, even though it's always been someone else. Vince still kind of makes the decisions regarding talent. Now, a significant move that happened Friday that preceded this announcement earlier in the day was that Paul Levesque Triple H had been reinstated as Executive Vice President of Talent Relations. He had shifted his title to EVP of Global Talent Strategy and Development, which was a significant reduction in responsibilities. And that occurred before the NXT move, before his unfortunate cardiac arrest. Paul recently announced his full-time return to WWE because he had been working kind of in partial capacity while he was recovering over the last few months. But now that he's back as EVP of talent relations, period, that means he's not just overseeing the recruitment and development of talent, he's back overseeing all of the talent. And that is hugely important for numerous reasons. First, it puts Paul back into a role where he thrived. NXT was uber successful under him, not just in terms of like quality wrestling, and popping us and getting our juices flowing. But the ability to recruit top tier talent and develop talent as well. The problem always was the transition to the main roster and Vince McMahon not having the same ideas or plans for talent that Paul did. But that's now a roadblock that has been removed. Now things have changed. AEW exists and it scooped up 95% of any valuable person that WWE released, but also a ton of independent talent. Basically, everyone left out there that had legitimate value, AEW signed. Also, WWE is not going to be changing its direction in terms of recruitment and development, going after the college athletes, the Mm -hmm. NIL program, because that is clearly working. They are finding talent. But WWE also never stopped hiring independent talent. And I'm sure Paul has a bit of a different perspective in terms of the proportions of college talent versus independent talent compared to what Vince McMahon and others had. What this also means is that John Laurinaitis is completely gone as head of talent relations. He had been relieved of that role already on an interim basis, but he was only hired back to that position really once Triple H had transitioned out. So Johnny Ace being gone is a huge positive for everyone, but it also gives Paul the control back. And that could pay immediate dividends, Chris, not just in terms of stuff like Sasha Banks and Naomi, who knows, but the way the talent perceives its work environment, yes. the way things are run backstage in the locker rooms and overall. And even when it does come time again for WWE to release talent, the people being released, Triple H and probably Stephanie McMahon and others who have input, will be able to be weighing in on that and have their opinions count, not just count, but they'll be the decision makers because you can bet your ass that Paul Levesque would not have cut Swerve or Keith Lee or Alistair now Malachi Black or Andrade Alitalo or Dakota Kai. These people would still be in WWE. And those are just some examples. So we have heard nothing, at least I can say I have, but extremely positive stuff about Paul Levesque as head of talent relations. And given the circumstances of everything that's developing, we'll talk about creative in a moment. All of this is very exciting, potentially.
1: And, and you touched on it toward the end there. The talent generally love Triple H. There is a real sense of respect there. There is a sense of, he's got my back there's a sense of understanding and that work environment is incredibly important because there's been tons of reports over the last several years about how cold of an environment it had become at times for talent especially amid all those cuts you saw the way mickey james was treated when she was let go the way other people have been been told some stories of how they were let go and not that they're not going to obviously cut people but just like Everybody, even the people who get cut by WWE, they all have great things to say about Triple H, Paul Levesque, and and the way he treated them. So I think that that should be a major boost to the company. To the point about talent development and everything, I mean, I sat in at the WWE trial before WrestleMania here. Um, I sat in a, essentially a talent meeting with Triple H, with with uh, uh, John Lawrence for a little bit, and, and some other people who were with NXT as they were going through the various people who had tried out, they talked about what they liked, what they didn't like, what they could see for their future. It was just a really enlightening process. And Triple H cares about that part so Mm -hmm. much, like like all the way down to these very little details about looks and and everything. He really loves this part of the job in terms of finding talent, developing talent. And so I think that should be a major boost for them. Undoubtedly, I think it's a huge positive
0: momentum move that, can only pay significant dividends in the future. And by the way, uh, like you said, you had the opportunity to to observe alongside Triple H during that tryout. I actually had a very similar opportunity. I got an opportunity to go down to the WWE Performance Center and see how they run that entire shop. I've interviewed him a number of times. Obviously, would love to get him back on the podcast again. But you, you can just, you feel the capability of him in that role and the potential for what he can do unencumbered. As not just head of talent relations, but potentially even something involving creative. And that's kind of where I do want to transition this to right now, because the single biggest, most significant, lingering question when it comes to personnel changes is who takes over head of creative from Vince McMahon. Now, PW Insider has reported that Bruce Pritchard and yes, Kevin Dunn are leading that charge, at least in terms of the production of SmackDown tonight, Friday, when we are taping this show. And that's not surprising given this just happened uh, and SummerSlam is only eight days away at the time of this taping. Now, Bruce Prichard gets a lot of shit from a lot of people, but I think many forget he is extremely creative, extremely knowledgeable, extremely experienced, and more than anything else, capable in this role, especially if he doesn't have to bend to Vince's whims and last minute changes and do things that he thinks Vince will like as opposed to things that he thinks wrestling fans will like. Giving Bruce more creative authority may not necessarily be a bad thing. Regarding Dunn, he's the executive producer. He's also the chief of global TV distribution or something like that. And he has been a fixture in and around creative for a good while because he's one of Vince's yes-men. So his opinion counts, even if he's not hands-in, you know, dirt below the nails, doing the creative process. But while he has a significant position in WWE, his power all comes from Vince. And he's reportedly and allegedly been at odds with Paul Levesque for quite some time about the direction of creative, production, how TV looks, the whole nine yards. This is the next domino that could and perhaps should fall at least to some degree. I'm not saying because of allegations or anything. I'm just saying within the corporate structure of WWE. My point is that Dunn's work with creative is less of a sure thing long-term than Pritchard, who could certainly have a hand in it going forward, no matter what changes they ultimately make. The big question is whether Pritchard's hand is as the lead, and that could be temporarily through SummerSlam, Clash of the Castle, Crown Jewel, Or permanently, they could just put him into that role. But the even bigger question is whether Paul Levesque ends up getting the job as head of creative, because that's really what we all want. Triple H leading main roster WWE creative. And if I told you that 20 years ago, you'd call me a (coughs) lunatic. But in 2022, he has proven he has the chops for this job. It's what we have wanted for the better part of the last decade. And I would love to get into all of that and what it could mean for creative and for superstars and all that. Let's save that for Tuesday show or if it actually happens, and then we can you know, get into how things are going to change. But either way, Chris, the future of creative is really what's most important when it comes to this podcast and the product, what we see on a week to week basis. And that happens to be the part of this future that remains murky at best right now.
1: Right. I I mean, they announced Triple H today as new head of talent relations, knowing that the Vince news was coming. It's certainly possible that they moved him into this role and he's not going to move into creative or at least anytime soon. Or or there aren't plans to, you know, they didn't wait for certain things to shake out. They made this move now. So who who knows? We, We don't we don't know about that. But, you know, already not having Vince lead creative could potentially lead to some major changes in terms of what we see on television, not necessarily widespread changes, but just there could be more attention to detail things, a little bit more continuity. I don't know, but, but you talk, you just hear story after story after story about him ripping up a script at the last second, Mm -hmm. not liking, not liking something somebody pitched talent who were released saying, I went to Vince a million times with these ideas and they never did it. That could totally change now. and, it's possible talent are enthused by this. We don't know, but you could certainly see a scenario where that's the case. And then as it relates to production and all that stuff, you know, I've I've always said AW is underproduced. WWE is overproduced. Both need to find a happy medium there. Kevin Dunn is obviously a big part of that for WWE and and always has been. There are no allegations related to this, at least publicly that we know of, of, of with that. There have been reports of comments Kevin Dunn has said in the past uh, about stuff, but but that's about true. it. So I, there's, there's no, yeah. there's no, at least nothing publicly like tying him to anything that, that I want to, I want to,
0: since yeah. you mentioned that, I just want to clarify. Yeah. When I made those comments earlier, I was purely talking about the power dynamic within yes. the corporate structure. Right. So,
1: clear. right. Stephanie and, and Nick Khan are now in charge. Do they decide to make a change there? We'll see. It's possible.
0: Absolutely. So that is the full breakdown in terms of the personnel changes, Vince McMahon's retirement. Again, we're doing this instant reaction style. So we're giving you our quick Twitch takes on this entire thing. But another major piece of WWE news broke basically as soon as this went down. And that is that Brock Lesnar has walked out of SmackDown tonight. Now, most reports I've seen so far have included relatively positive reactions of Vince McMahon's retirement, with Lesnar being the major exception. He was advertised all week for SmackDown in Boston, but he literally walked out of the building as soon as he heard Vince was retiring. This was confirmed by multiple reports, with Brian Alvarez being the first to say so. Alvarez said Lesnar stated something to the degree of, if he goes, I go, when he walked out. And that obviously plays into what we know about their relationship. Given the things Lesnar said about Vince during the Pat McAfee show appearance a couple months ago, kind of like Vince being a father figure to him, Lesnar trusting that Vince always had his best interest in mind and, you know, did what was best for him and his family, paying him obviously a great sum of money, giving him flexibility with dates, his health, the whole deal. Now, this is obviously problematic, Chris. Not so much that Lesnar would initially leave in a fit of frustration. But if Lesnar does not return before SmackDown tonight or if Lesnar does not return at all, if he does not show up at SummerSlam, that throws a massive wrench into the creative plans. First, obviously, it's terrible for the audience in Boston. Second, if he does come back, what's the reaction going to be from fans? Is it going to be a massive babyface reaction because he's going against Lesnar? Or are they going to boom out of the building like they did when he and Goldberg basically said that they were leaving or or it was reported in the IWC that they were leaving ahead of that WrestleMania. So the assumption that we have to operate on right now, we're doing this podcast. The assumption has to be that Lesnar will not be at SummerSlam until we know differently. You don't walk out of SmackDown generally and then just turn right back around and say, okay, I'll do my job, right? Now, I think that's astounding given this is a mature, business-minded, 45-year-old guy who, by the way, is under legal contract to WWE. He's technically opening himself up to a breach of contract lawsuit. Now, would WWE do that? No, probably not. They probably won't sue him because they'd be scared of retribution, him going over to AEW and just blasting them out of the water. So they can't do that. I have to believe Vince is going to get on the horn and try to talk Brock into returning to SmackDown or at least showing up Monday at Madison Square Garden and continuing the program through SummerSlam. But, dude, if SummerSlam was not already screwed up enough, we didn't even anticipate this match. We weren't
1: that excited for it. This murders the show, though. So an hour after Brian Alvarez first reported that Brock left SmackDown, WWE sent out an email to its general email list headlined Brock Lesnar returns to SmackDown. Sure, but that was that was planned and scheduled. no, I, know, and I sure. know, I know, I'm yeah. just saying. So that's a real letdown or a bad look or whatever. <laughs> that's not really the case. So I, I don't. Know. I, I think it's certainly possible that they convince Brock to come back um, and, and do that match at least. Um, does he show back up on TV before then? I don't know. We don't know. There have been a lot of wrestlers who have said really nice things about Vince McMahon. You know, ignoring. The things that are going on with him at the moment. I, if Brock Lesnar's not there, my, I honestly my interest in SmackDown in SummerSlam doesn't change all that much because I did not care about this match at all. But it really opens up the possibility of some major changes, which could perhaps make the card more interesting. I just I don't know what to do. Brock Lesnar is the break class in case of emergency guy. You know, he's, like, he's one of them. Yeah, like, like there, there aren't there aren't exactly a ton of those lying around a week before the show.
0: Well, let's get into the potential ways WWE can cover the loss of Brock Lesnar. I see three, three options that they have right now. One, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Riddle. You already have Seth Rollins and Riddle as a singles match. They are two of your top guys in your company. You do a triple threat. Reigns can beat either of them and still have a program with the other one for the future. I I think it would make more sense for him to beat Riddle, given he already just did. We want Riddle to get pushed, but whatever. That is option one. You make a triple threat, you combine two matches. Option two, sorry, you bring back Goldberg because you need an apples-to-apples replacement. And Goldberg is the only person out there that is an apples-to-apples replacement for Brock Lesnar. He has the name, power, people know him. You know Reigns is going to beat him. It's a last man standing match. What did he do in the match with Bobby Lashley at Crown Jewel? It was the best Goldberg match that we've had in WWE since the WrestleMania match against Brock Lesnar. So you know that he can actually make that work. It's an eye roll. None of us want it. We're not going to get enthused for SummerSlam if Goldberg is announced as the replacement, especially given, by the way, he just challenged for the title a few months ago. But it is the clear apples to apples replacement. The other thing you can do is Reigns, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus in a triple threat match. You have Reigns beat Sheamus. That leaves Drew as someone who challenged for the title, maybe took him to the limit, but didn't get pinned. And he has a clear path for a title challenge at Clash at the Castle. That's it, man. Those are the three options. I mean, there's other people, AJ Styles, Edge, right. etc., cetera. But just throwing them into a storyline as a SummerSlam main event compared to these other options that all kind of fit in kayfabe, I think they they're gonna go with one of those three options if Lesnar does not show up.
1: I think Edge could fit as well because he doesn't actually have anything going on at the moment. He hasn't made his return yet with those spooky promos. He's a name. He's you know he I think him and Reigns, they la- they did the money in the bank on the first pay-per-view back when they brought fans back. He hasn't had a title match since, I don't think, right? So he, he could fit as well. The Goldberg thing. My first question on that is is he in shape yet? You know, it, it it's going to take time for someone like that to get match ready and we don't know if we don't know if he was planned for a Saudi show or not. Maybe he was already kind of in that process. You know, they just did the A&E biography episode on him recently. Um AJ Styles could work. I I I the Sheamus one I I don't like. I don't think that does anything to the the card. I think AJ Styles would, would, um, no, a triple threat with it. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Oh, triple threat with McIntyre and Sheamus. I'm sorry. I was thinking, and then and, then and then Reigns wins.
0: pins Sheamus,
1: and McIntyre's like, Yo, dude, you yeah. never pinned me. I still want my opportunity. That's 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 possible too. Cause what McIntyre and Sheamus still have their number one contender match, right? They haven't done that well. Yet. They
0: haven't even, I mean, it's, it's a false start every week, so we don't know. Yeah,
1: have... yeah, so yeah, man. I mean, stadium show Roman Reigns, uh, not a lot of great options there.
0: But there's that really but, not. The,
1: but we already knew that was the case, and that's why Brock Lesnar was, was the guy who was supposed to do it.
0: Let me tell you what I would do if I'm in their situation right now, given everything that's happening. I strike while the iron is hot, while there's momentum in the media and eyeballs on my product. I have Rollins beat Reigns for the title, or at least take the title off Reigns. You do the triple threat, Rollins pins riddle, you know, something like that. I put the championships on Seth Rollins. I also have him thwart Theory's attempt to cash in. You guys know I love the briefcase. I don't want it wasted, but you're resetting creative. And that's what I'm going after here. You thwart the cash in attempt. You either take the briefcase off of him or, you know, via loss, or you just have Rollins escape and, and Theory keeps the briefcase. You just completely reset creative. You book Rollins versus Cody, WrestleMania night one, either for the undisputed championship or if you split them, no matter what you do. That's your match for night one. You, of course, try to get Rock and Reigns for night two. But if you can't do that, guess who you have waiting in the wings? Randy Orton, who theoretically is going to be healthy by then. You can do Orton versus Reigns. You can do Bloodline versus RK Bro. There's a lot of different things you can do, but it all has to start with the title coming off Reigns. I pull that trigger at SummerSlam. You make a big impact. You tell everyone shit's changing around here and you get people excited for your product. Again, that's just what I'm doing. Does that screw up Clash of the Castle with Drew McIntyre? It does. Maybe you make Rollins win. You set that up for Clash of the Castle for one of the two titles. Drew wins that. You have Rollins as a champion. Drew McIntyre is a champion. One on each show. One face, one heel. That's what the Silver King would do if I had the book and (laughs) I faced the situation.
1: Hey, it it, it sounds like it, but it's really not that crazy. It's really not that difficult. Austin Theory's in a kind of tough spot right now, isn't he? I, I mean, his whole character was Vince, Vince McMahon's, McMahon's guy. <laughs> guy. He, yeah, he got the big WrestleMania moment with Vince McMahon, and so he's gonna—I don't know—like, do you keep do you keep him with the briefcase, but keep him out of sight for a little bit, or do you keep him up at the top? I—I don't know. It'll be keeping him watch. out of
0: sight. Keeping him out of sight's a really good idea to kind of reset the gimmick. Right. It's also totally fine to just have him lose the briefcase and again
1: reset the I gimmick because Vince is that. gone. I, I, I would still hate that just because it, I, I think that would do a lot of damage to his character. What I would what I think I would do for SummerSlam, just in the moment here, what I what I would do. Drew McIntyre versus Roman Drew McIntyre wins. You get the belt on him. You just, just change I, it. You change it. And I, and he goes into Clash of the Castle as the champion gets the hero's welcome type of deal, because I've been saying for a while, I think he can or should or will win oh. in that Clash of the Castle.
0: Breaking news! I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chris. Breaking news! I don't know if you guys are even going to hear it before the show begins. Stephanie McMahon will be kicking off SmackDown tonight on Fox.
1: All right, there you go. So, so there you go.
0: Let's let's leave it there. By the time we publish this, there's going to be just enough time for you all to listen to it before SmackDown. If anything crazy happens on SmackDown, we will append this episode with a little bit more information. But if you if your uh, timer is running out on your podcast playing. Application right now, and you see the show is ending, then obviously we have not done that. And we will go ahead and break that down Tuesday on our next show, the WWE SummerSlam Ultimate Preview Edition. I am quite sure we will begin by talking about Vince McMahon, creative Stephanie McMahon, and everything that's going on. But this upcoming show on Tuesday will be your WWE SummerSlam Ultimate Preview. And then next Saturday, One week from tomorrow, when we're taping this podcast again, we're taping it on a Friday right before SmackDown, you will have Saturday night, WWE SummerSlam instant analysis podcast breaking down everything that happens on this massive premium live event that got even crazier today, this Friday. Thank you all for listening to this edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. We tried to give you the best instant reaction we possibly could. So if you want to thank us, please remember that this show, just like every episode of Getting Over. Drop those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Also drop a five-star rating for us on Spotify. And please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Thank you, Vintage Chris Muni, for joining for this instant reaction. Thank all of you for listening to us. We will be back on Tuesday. But for now, The Silver King is leaving you with three final words. Bye for now.